Oh, I can't believe it's another edition of my show, The Bob Jeswald Show. This is incredible. This is so engaging, and this is so uplifting. Wait to hear this. You hear it time and time again. A little exercise each day is good for the heart, but it's also good for longevity, right? Coming up on The Bob Jeswald Show next, we'll speak with the 82-year-old marathon runner and former pediatric cardiologist who has the right prescription for you. You don't want to miss it. That's coming up next. Personal Power. People Positive, the community of connection. This is the Bob Jeswald Show. Welcome, everybody. I, You know what? A, a sip of water. Water's good hydration. Uh, right here in the Northern Hemisphere, we're in the United States of America, Southeast U.S., in Columbus, Georgia, about 90 miles or so southeast of Atlanta in a nautical mile zone. And we are here joined with retired, but n- never retired. He's always he's always going strong. We're talking about the cardiologist started pediatric uh, cardiology in the Columbus, Georgia vicinity years ago. And Dr. Gordy Borkat continued to proclaim the health and fitness of the heart. And and he does a great job because he practices what he preaches, right? I think so. Yeah. <laughs> That's good. <laughs> tell, tell us about your background, which I find fascinating. Because when I first met you, I always knew you were a cardiologist. And you said, well, Bob, I'm a... I'm a you know, pediatric cardiologist. And that, that's very special, very specific. Because you, you think of little babies, you think of even young young children up to five, six, seven, eight years old, you know, having heart issues. And it's so small, you just don't think of... You know that you think of a heart issue as somebody older. Well, it's true. Um, pediatric cardiology actually is a formal discipline that's been around since only about 1950 to 1960. It turns out it was a necessity starting about that point because we realized that kids are born with heart disease at an alarmingly high rate. About one per 100 children born will have some heart issue going on. Now, granted, for what we do, these are structural things. And most of them are minor, doesn't really make too much difference. They're going to have normal longevity anyway, but some of those things are pretty critical. So the field came about a little bit before my time, but not a whole lot before. And I just thought that this would be something that I would enjoy doing, and so I I went after it. It's amazing. And, you know, the first time I'll tell folks, I, I had, had the, the privilege of meeting you and your, and your lovely wife, Linda. She's, she's a sweetheart. She, <laughs> I know she just loves me all the time. She's like, oh, yeah. she, but it's, you guys had the most incredible, I love your relationship. And, you know, of course, she's always worried about you because what we're going to talk about next is that, that uh, Dr. Borcat is like, you're, you're just the kind of guy that just doesn't stop. And you, you not only do 5Ks and running, and sometimes you'll walk to run or do whatever, but... You, you challenge yourself with these marathons. I remember the one that you attended that was out in South uh, Africa, and that was a big one because that, that was when your wife was really concerned about. She was like, Bob, I don't know. I'm just worried about him. And then how old were you at that point when you went to that one? I was 76, I believe, okay. 76 or 77. Okay, and you're 82 so, now. Right. And you've done so, a lot. A few. Yes, a few, yes. And yeah, you always do it. So when, when we see you out there, what is the right prescription? What, what do people... Any age, especially your age, we're going to start in reverse. I'm going to go folks that are more in their 80s and 90s. And I don't even like to even say, because today, the 82, when I sit here next to you, when I'm out there with you, you're, you're, there is no age. Is, I mean, is that fair to say? I think that that is probably fair to say. One of the things that I've learned over the years is that anybody can do something. And I think that prescription that you're talking about is that somebody needs to do something regardless of what it is. It took me a long time to realize that not everybody should be a runner. When I got started, I thought that was it. Everybody's got to do this thing. And then finally learned that that's not true. We need to find something that we like, because if we like, we'll do it. If we don't like it, it just ain't going to happen. And I remember people, I still hear people now saying, well, you know, do you do weight training? And I tell them, well, I should, but I don't. Do you do this, that, that, or the other thing? And I don't. And it's because I don't like it. Yeah. I do like running, so I run. And I think that it's important that people should get outside, do something that they like, and just keep at it. And for most of these things, if you do it carefully, you can probably do it forever. We see that. I mean, at these races, if anybody knows anything about them, many times during a podcast when I bring someone on who does a lot of athletic outdoor activities, mm-hmm. we talk about placing in a race it's an a pr your own personal record or whatever it may be and you'll notice there's an age limit so like we'll start 14 and under and we'll work our way up and backwards all the way up to you know 60 and over and then 70 and older and, you, and there's people coming in in first second and third place in this age group and it just doesn't ever go away it, it seems like it's growing more than anything else it's, it seems like it's catching on 
Is that fair too? It, I mean, it yeah. is. It is. And I think a lot of people who are doing it when they're younger keep right at it because they do like it and because they know that it's good for them. And I think the, one of the positive things, since you talk about the age groups in running, there are people who complain all the time about getting older. When you're running, you really don't care so much because every five years you go into another age group. So you're competing with different <laughs> people again and you're really young. You have a chance to win something. You'll never win the race, but that's okay too. I'm going to share this with you, which you maybe you know or maybe not. But when I was when I was um, when I came back into this community, I ran, ran in other communities into triathlons and everything else. But when I came here, I was 40 and I'm 56 right now. And when I was 40 years old, I was in that 40 group and I was crushing it at that time. That particular time, I was you know 5Ks were coming in. Times were really good. I was you know running 21 minutes, 22 5Ks, like just without even really practicing. For me, that was good. I mean, I, you know, if you're you know, cross country person, a kid, you know, those guys are 18, 16 mm -hmm. minutes. But, but for me, I was like, wow, this is like, I was really feeling good. But as I got older in this community and talking about folks aging, they're getting better. I, it's more competition. Mm -hmm. I can't beat anybody. I, I have not, it's rare that I play. I, I'll get like third place if I'm on a good day, if so-and-so doesn't show up and you get somebody and or if it's just a new runner. But it's incredible that even some folks who are starting later in life, seem to have this gift of running or, or something they can do. And it's like you said, it's not about running. Some folks walk to run or they jog a little bit or walk or fast walk, whatever it takes to do some activity. We'll, you know, I'll get more into that in a minute. But your journey is interesting because when you started running, how old were you when you started? I was 42 years old. There you go. And that's kind yeah. of what, yeah. And so now, you know, 40 years later and you're still running. That's right. Well, one of these, one of the things I think that is really important, and I'm not quite sure why it happened, but one day I decided that I really wasn't taking very good care of myself. And all the things that I might preach to my patients or their parents, because I, I had to do a lot of talking to the parents, um, that just was not the way I was doing things. And I thought, well, I better do something. And I had a friend who was a runner, and he was training to go to Boston. And I could listen to him talk about this all the time, how wonderful it was, the experience it would be to go to Boston. And I thought, that really sounds neat. Maybe I'll try running. So I went out, and fortunately it was running, and I liked it. So I went out one day, and this was February in Cleveland, which, where I was living at the time. And I went out, and it was snow on the ground and slush, and you would know this being from Buffalo. Yes, you know that. Right? And I put on my old tennis shoes. I had some Converse canvas tennis shoes pulled those on, and I pulled on my boots over those, my galoshes. And I went out on my run, and it was a half mile uphill, turned around, came my half mile downhill back, and I thought I was going to die. But I thought, runners run every day. So I went in, and I tried that the second day, and I almost did die. I couldn't walk up the three steps into the house. That's how sore I was at that point. Well, anyway, eventually I learned a little bit more about running. But a couple of weeks after that, I went to talk to my running friend. And I said... You know, Harry, um, what kind of shoes should I get? The first words out of his mouth were, how old are you? See, back then, see how oh. a totally different time, different That's era. Right. right. And, you know, when I told him, he said, go see your doctor, and then I'll talk to you about shoes. And what he knew was that for people who are over 40, and it holds true today, that to be able to start any kind of exercise program, you really need to make sure that you're healthy enough to do that. And a lot of people who are finally getting to be 40 or a little bit older have been sedentary for a better part of, you know, 10 or 20 years. They're not always healthy enough to start an exercise program. So they need to go see their doctor. Their primary doctor is fine and, you know, get you started, let you know that you're okay, and then get started gradually and work into it, and then you go from there. And as I said, I loved it, so I'm still at it. That's incredible. That's a great story. And it's funny how the, and, and you make a good point, notice how people today were thinking differently today. In 40 years, and um, I've always been in, like in a gym or did something, I, I've always engaged in that. I have like a uh, athletic-induced asthma even, and, mm -hmm. and had me worried and concerned a few years back when I ended up getting bronchitis, which I hadn't had since I was a child. And then I saw a cardiologist here, Dr. Shane Dara, and I did a whole makeup and, you know, the whole stress mm -hmm. test kind of thing. And Everything looks good. He said, your heart, when it gets like 160 beats per minute, it kind of goes, there's a little, there's a little fluck, flutter, yeah. Yeah. but nothing to be, he said, just keep an eye on it, but nothing to be terribly concerned about. But that's kind of what you're saying then to get right. checked out. Doesn't mean, does everyone need a stress test? Would you say cardiologist or just a general physician? What would you so the primary care person is okay. just fine. Just somebody who can talk to you a little bit, learn a little bit about your family history and make sure there are no risk factors. Make sure that you're taking care of yourself, sort of. 
yeah. and give you an idea that it's safe to go ahead and do. Now, the short end of that story, however, and I don't know how many people know this, it took me four years before I went to see my doctor. Are you kidding? Well, because you are one. That's the oddity of That's the, that's a, that's the bad thing. That's the bad Is it because you're a doctor? That, yeah. Why? And that always amazes me. If you're a doctor, you're a physician, you went to med school like everybody else. You specialize in cardiology. That was your that was your craft. So what what goes through your head? What goes through a doctor's head? Because you do think about that. Who, When you're a doctor, you think, do you treat yourself? Or is it just you're just blinded about your own stuff, so you need somebody else to be objective on the outside of you? It's probably a little bit of everything. The thing that I find, though, for me, is that I like to think of myself as being an educated observer so that I know what I should be looking for that would worry me. And if I have something that worries me, then I'll go ahead and I'll see somebody about it. If it doesn't worry me, it's probably not a problem. That's amazing. So that's, I think that's, that, yeah. that's not a very good thing all the time. I'll, I'll tell you another story later on about that one. Yeah, we want to hear. <laughs> we, about that one. <laughs> you know, we need to come back to that. I want to hear. Well, you, you're in this podcast, or you want to do this off the podcast? Oh, I can do it on the podcast because it, yeah. it actually reminds me of a couple of things I saw on some of your previous podcasts because right. I've watched some of them. And they're, besides being entertaining, they're very educational, even for me. But one of the points that was raised uh, a few times ago was the whole idea that people who exercise know their bodies. And they need to listen to their bodies because they know what's right for them and they know what's wrong for them. Sure. And so there was a time, and it turned out to be in the February, and I was running, and I was out, and I could run a few miles, and then I started to get a little bit short of breath. And I knew that that wasn't right for me. So I thought, well, okay, I, I need to think about this a little bit. And I continued to run and still got short of breath after a few miles. But I had a goal, and I wasn't going to let my being short of breath interfere with my goal. That particular year, I was set to run the Boston Marathon. And I knew that if I went to see my doctor, first of all, he wouldn't find anything good causing me to be short of breath. It was always going to be bad. It was going to be cancer or a you know, chest full of fluid or some other god-awful bad thing. And he would tell me I couldn't go to Boston. So I decided I wasn't going to go see my doctor. So I didn't. I went to Boston. And at around the 20, I felt awful. I felt so bad. Yeah, exactly. I looked so bad. Hey. that. The, there was a nurse out there on the course. There, there is a group called the Achilles Track Club. These are people who have some um, problems physically that have slowed them down. It could be a heart problem. It could be a, an amputation, and they're running on a prosthesis. But in any event, yeah. they are out there. The Achilles Track Club nurses are out there, and we were about the 20, and I was just gasping for breath. I mean, this was just awful. And she came over, and she asked me how I was. That's how bad I was. Wow. And then she walked me in. So we walked together for the last six months. Yes. Well, this is, this, you know, as a doctor, as a cardiologist particularly, I thought, well, you know, this is not right, but at least I got through it. And at the very end, being the cardiologist, I checked my heart rate, and it was 192, wow. which was on the fast side. Yeah. And I thought, well, okay, I think I know what it is that's going on. In the meantime, though, the normal heart rate should slow down after exercise, and we all know that. Within a few minutes, it should drop a fair amount and then continue to drop after that. Well, mine was still in the 190 range, three, wow. four hours later. Uh, and I remember it finally changing to normal while I was sitting in the airport waiting to come home. And so I knew exactly what it was. I knew that it wasn't life-threatening, uh, but I knew that something had to be done about it. So I finally had my appointment to go see my doctor, and he told me that I had a thyroid problem, and we took care of it. And not a big deal. Yeah. But it was the whole thing that I knew what I had been able to do. I was listening to my body, but then I was sort of deciding what I needed to do about it and when. Had it not been for Boston, I would have gone to the doctor sooner. But uh, Is that something how you think? So, so yeah. we want to make sure that anybody that's not a doctor would have that <laughs> symptom. They go to your doctor right away. But Absolutely. it's interesting to see how, how you guys tick a little bit because you, you had some confidence. There was something, some unction, if you had yeah. one at that time, and knowing that you, know, you didn't think you were going to face plant, you didn't have the widow maker right. kind of thing, but there was, you knew there was something that right... And, um, and most people say, well, geez, what are you expecting? Went 20 miles at this point, you know, another 6.2, you know, it's, it, it, but that's, that's significant when you start seeing, you know, something's not right. And then you had a thyroid issue. That was it. And, and I, I'm not downplaying it, but that's yeah. probably a good thing. Thyroid's like a very easy thing to treat. It was a very easy thing to treat. I went to see my doctor when he finally got the results of my test. You know, my first question to him was, well, can I still run? And he yeah. said, no. Um, he said, you realize that when you did this thing in Boston, you could have killed yourself. 
With said, the thyroid issue, really? Yeah, it did. Wow. You know, it, it's this whole heart rate thing and so on, a whole lot of heart effect on it. But I said, you know, okay, I didn't. Yeah. And so, <laughs> so for the next month or so, I couldn't run, and then after that, I could walk. You know, and he finally let me get back to my usual normal running activity. And so, this is now a long time ago, and I'm okay. Okay. Now, so, this makes me ask this question: yeah. Was Linda in the picture at this point? She was, and actually, she made the diagnosis. Wow. It was kind of interesting because along with the being short of breath, which is a rare problem when it comes to thyroid issues, there are a whole lot of other things that sure. go on. And she kept saying, you know, you're really sort of twitchy. You know, because when, you're, when you've got too much thyroid, it's like, you know, the, the fight or flight thing. You know, you're all tense and jumpy all the time. Interesting. Okay. And so she thought I was twitchy. So when I went to see my doctor, he didn't actually diagnose the thyroid problem himself right off. He evaluated me. He couldn't find anything. And I said, you know, how about checking my thyroid because Linda thinks I'm twitchy. He said, all right, I'll do that. And when he got the results back, that showed that I had way too much thyroid, actually the most that he had experienced in his 25 or so years of practice. Um, it was just really remarkable to him. And he said, you know, I really should have thought about that because when you were here in the office, my, your heart rate was 70. And okay, you're a yeah. distance runner. It should have been in the mid-50s. Yeah, you know what? And, and I, I missed it. I, I know exactly what yeah. you're I'm, I'm sitting now, and I know yours now. Yeah. I don't know if you were what. I'm 57 sitting here, right. and I haven't drinking a cup of coffee. Yeah. So, I mean, it's not, it's weird how that, and how that does have an effect on right. it. So it does. It's, it's safe to say that having a lower heart rate, but also when you accelerate and your heart rate goes high, you want that heart rate to come down fast. You shouldn't be, it shouldn't be elevated for such a long period of time for a healthy heart. Yeah, that was way too long. The, yeah. health, the healthy heart after exercise or after stress of most any sort should be able to come, start coming down anyway within a couple of minutes. Oh, that's come good. Down fairly, okay. fairly rapidly. Okay. Um, you know, if you're out running at three quarters or 70% max, you'll yeah. be down near normal, you know, somewhere five minutes later, so... It's good that people understand that. No, that's why before we consider what we're doing here, and despite what the age may be, and you're talking about children up to even you know, you know, older folks here to really get a whole full, whatever it may be, just kind of a physical slash whatever it may be. Tell your doctor everything. That's the one thing I always want to stress. Don't leave anything right. out. Don't Absolutely. leave anything out. Right. But that's good because you didn't. And it's good that Linda, and even if you have somebody else. That's with you. Bring them to the doctor with you because sometimes mm -hmm. a wife or a partner or somebody can say, hey, you know what? I know that they have X, Y, and Z. And, not, and you for, either you forget about it or you think it's not a big deal. Or, you, or you don't want to tell them. Or you don't want to tell them. <laughs> right. Exactly. In that case, isn't that something? But look at you now. I can't believe it. No, that's remarkable. No. Is there something to be said about starting a, an exercise routine like you did? You were, is it fair to say you were sedentary up to 42 years old? Or what do you, what do you think? Or, oh, absolutely sedentary. Okay. I, I really did virtually nothing up until that time uh, for the previous 20 years or so because I was involved in medicine. You know, I was working all the time, so I, I just, I guess I chose not to do anything active. When I was younger, when I was in high school and in college, I was a frustrated athlete. Uh, I always wanted to do something, but I'm a little dude, so yeah. I, I couldn't do the kinds of things I wanted it. to. Yeah. And uh, when I was in college, I tried a couple of intramural sports I was not uh, going to be a tackle football player. Right. I tried it. didn't work. I yeah. tried crew, and that didn't work. Yeah. Uh, so there were some things that I couldn't do, and when I finally decided that it was time to do something in my 40s, I, I fell into something I, I liked and I could do. That's so it. That worked out real well. So any activity you would recommend, anything to anything. get the heart rate? Is it important that we talk about heart to get the cardiovascular system going to keep ourselves you know, fit? And keeping ourselves young and feeling good because we it makes sense, right? We want to get the blood circulating. So absolutely, I th there's no question about the fact that exercise of some sort for everybody is good. And I think that if we look at it as exercise, that's a mistake. We need to look at it as fun, as play. Uh, you know, okay. we've all been playing since we've been one or two years old. We sure. might as well go ahead and continue to play. Yeah. But I think little question about it now, but that people who are active, even if it's just walking. Uh, not necessarily at a fast walk, slow walk, whatever it is, walking, swimming, biking, whatever. As long as they're out doing something, it is for the better, both physically as well as mentally, for, for everybody, at Amen any age. I completely so. agree with you. I can't tell you when people say, Bob, you're always going, you're this, this, and that. If I sit 
I, I, can't, I can't mentally, I can't, I can't do it. There's something, whether it's endorphins or whatever it may be, the blood circulating makes you feel good. I mean, there's some high to that. There's a, a natural high when you exercise I, and it makes you feel good. Plus, if you feel good about yourself, then it's better for everybody. It's good in a relationship. It's good, you know, it transcends and so many different things. Let's face it, you know, and there's nothing like the camaraderie of <clears throat> either exercising with others I find to be more attractive and more fun, and, and it, that's what really fuels me up. Or being around those athletes like yourself and announcing you coming across the finish line or, or doing whatever, there's something, there's something to that or something to be said about that. I love the fact that you, you've done that. Let's go now to the younger kids. The, the, the go ahead. Okay. Have, a, no, have go some, ahead. something to drink for you. Go, because I'll talk for a second here and let you. But you think about, we're talking about folks where we're going 40 and over. What about young children? When do we have to, we just recently, when this podcast is airing, if you're listening to it, but during the hot summer months, this is when this was airing, this is at the end of July. And we had a, a I hear it every year, an athlete just fell out, died, 15 years old in central Georgia. Uh, football player practicing, you know, and you're not blaming coaches, not to, I mean, this, it is what it is. We have to get it, but what is that preventable? Could a parent feel a little bit like, I, I know how important exercise is. I know it's important to get yourself physically fit and get feeling great. But then you, that's, that, that could be some of those things in the back of a parent's mind to say, geez, I don't want my kid to, to you know, fall flat on their face here, but they're doing outdoors. So what, what do we, is that preventable or is it just, it is what it is? I mean, it's a, Tough question with a long answer. Okay. So let's, let's okay. take it in two parts. I think some of it is not preventable. There are some athletes out there at any age who have a structural heart problem that has not been found. It's not that it hasn't that it's been missed. It's just not been found because you can't find all of them. And occasionally you will have somebody who just drops. It can be with exercise, not with exercise, totally <coughs> unrelated. But the other part of it, though, is, I think, avoidable. And that's the part that can relate to the conditions. And you're talking about exercising during the heat of the summer. This is always a real problem. What happens is that the kids are out there. They're exercising hard. They're sweating a lot. They're losing a lot of fluids. They're not paying much attention to their fluid balance. Their coaches aren't paying enough attention to it. And the kids wind up getting significantly dehydrated. They get heat exhaustion, heat stroke, what have you. So that is actually preventable. It reminds me of a patient years ago where I actually had a real impact. It doesn't hap didn't happen okay. very often. But yeah. I had a, a young man come in, and he was having problems where he was lightheaded. And it happened related to his exercise. And as we talked about it, he was a football player. And I thought, well, it sounded to me as if he was having a fluid problem. And what happens is that if you get significantly dehydrated, you only have a certain amount of blood volume, and that blood volume is needed for your muscles, for your heart, your kidneys, whatever it is. It's also needed by your brain. And if you're out there exercising, your blood shifts where it goes, and so it's going to the muscles, parts of your body that need it. It's not going to your brain. Well, you're supposed to still be thinking, so you should be using yeah, some right. of it, but not necessarily. In any event, if you change position from sitting for a long time to standing, mm -hmm. A significant amount of your blood settles to your legs, and if it's in your legs, it can't be in your brain. You get lightheaded, you're dizzy, you pass out. So you need to keep your blood volume up. So anyway, we had a long chat about proper hydration, taking care of yourself in the heat. And mom went back, talked to the coach. The coach decided that there needed to be more water breaks, put a lot of emphasis on making sure that there was good hydration, not just during the practice, but also before the practice, the days before the practice. And Mom actually changed the entire thought process of that training program. Good for Not her. only did her son do well, but everybody else did well, That's and they awesome. all did better. And five years later or so, it was at a party, and she came up to me to tell me that story, and that made me really feel good. You know, you'd like to Absolutely. know the successes sure. in your career. So that that was just kind of fun. Good but, for you. So when you talk about being preventable. People just need to be aware of the fact that you do things differently under these conditions. People will often ask me, well, do, you, do you go out and run at 95 degrees? I say, sure, why not? I run a little bit slower, I run a little bit shorter, and I try to take care of my hydration. Did he the other day, we, um, I, I ran with uh, a partner of mine, and he, uh, we're, we're, he had already planted a couple of rice-based hydration mm -hmm. drinks, and, um, and, and they, they, we left them under a rock, mm -hmm. At three miles in, we did a 10K, and uh, 
So it, we went through some hills, and it was humid. It was probably had a heat index value. It was probably in the lower 100s. It was. It, it, it was. But you're right. It, we were. Hi, I was hydrated days in advance, and because people don't understand, I was dehydrated once, and I, I had my folks here at work had to take me to the ER. <laughs> it wasn't good. It was. No. I was building a house. I was running with uh, cross country girls and trying to get them oh. excited. Yeah, I was with my daughter and stuff, and I and I, I just didn't feel right, and I got lightheaded, and I just. Hmm. I, could, I couldn't catch my breath. I felt like something wasn't right, and, and I was dehydrated. They, they, they couldn't push enough fluids in me. <laughs> I couldn't true. go to the bathroom. I couldn't even, I couldn't yeah. even urinate. Yeah. It's, a, it's a big yeah. problem. Yeah, it is. It yeah, happened scary. to me actually yeah. once. Yeah, it's a, um, I don't want it to happen again. Yeah, it's a terrible right. feeling. Um, I had gone out for a long run. The whole yeah. group of us went out, and we had a 20-miler, and we made it point to point. We were in Cleveland. We started on oh, one wow. side, and we ran across. And we had somebody on the other end to pick us up. Sure. And that person picked us up. There lots of Hence fruit, point to fluids, point run, juice, yeah. and everything. So, yeah. so we went ahead and we ran our, our run. Not enough water along the way, but we finally got to the end. Excuse <clears throat> me. And I had something to drink and something to eat as we drove back across town. And I felt so bad that all I could do was just get home and crawl into bed. I didn't wake up for three hours. Oh, wow. Well, things wow. started to try to recuperate. And I said, I don't like this. You know, it's just not fun. So you really have to be very careful about yeah, all of that. I'm glad you said that. And th- these are these are things we want everyone to understand. Yeah. To, to, to we're not. It's always good to put safety first, but the bottom line is exercise. Ultimately, you have to do to to, to keep this this uh, body of ours in in tip top shape, and you feel good about yourself, especially during these times of COVID and whatnot. And I mean, especially during a COVID time. You don't. I don't think we hear it enough of people saying, you know, you know, eat well, get some rest, but you exercise still. Don't stop exercising and stay indoors, and because right. you hurt a lot of people. I put all this weight on during COVID. I've been watching movies, but get outside and walk, do something, mm-hmm. and you feel you feel so much better. And mm-hmm. and knowing your body, like you said, listen yourself, and when you feel something's not right, go see your doctor. Yeah. So that's our first half. I believe we already did thirty really? minutes already. Look how fast wow. it is. Okay, now. Better yet now, here comes the big stuff. Uh-oh. This is all about good. This is about you now. <laughs> so we talked about the young athletes. And folks at home, if you're hearing this, you know, listen to your kids. Make sure they're properly hydrated, and even in the winter months. Yeah. But you have done some remarkable stuff. You, you've done, like, you've done these, these marathons that you wanted to go, besides Boston and all these other places, but you decided to go to other places of the world, which I find fascinating. And as a meteorologist, i got to tell you, the Antarctica, and you wore that, in fact... Could you could see that little look right on Gordy's shirt right there? Show that right there, and we're going to get a tight shot of that. I think we're looking at that right there. It says Antarctica Marathon Half Marathon, the last marathon. So that's great. He can actually zoom in. So what's up with that? Well, I didn't even know this. I mean, I know I feel like I know a lot about you, but that you wore that in today, and I'm looking at it and I go. He did not do that. I, I just did it for you. Just so it would be a point yeah. talking point. Yes, it's a good talking um, point. Yes. There was a time a ways back, and it, it actually goes back to the year probably 1996. Okay. And what happened at that point was that I heard about a marathon that I thought would be kind of a lot of fun. Yeah. And so I offered my boys the opportunity to go run a marathon with me. And okay. number three son took me up on the idea. And the idea was that there was going to be a marathon in Hamilton, New Zealand, on January 1st, 2000. Okay. It was the first major sporting event anywhere in the world in the 2000s. Okay. So I offered him a trip, and he and his wife, you know, and Linda yeah. came along with me, and we went and we ran that marathon. A few years later, Jared came to me and said, Dad, what do you think about the idea of running a marathon on every continent? I said, why not? You know, I'm, in those days, I was all, always up to any kind of running challenge. So I said, sure, why not? So we then set out to have this all planned out, and being able to get to Antarctica to run a marathon was one of those things that was a necessity. There are two groups in those days, and I think they're both still around now, I know one is, um, that would manage having marathons on Antarctica. And the group that we went with, called Marathon Tours, uh, continues to have them, and they set out their own marathon course on it. And the way the trip is planned, for us at least, it's, it's always a vacation based around a marathon. Mm-hmm. And we flew down to Argentina, down to the tip of Argentina, and we got on a ship. It turned out that it was a converted Russian explorer vessel, and it would only take 200 people. Most of us were runners. Some of them were supporters, the way Linda was with me. And we took two days to cross the Drake Passage, 
we had a quiet passage at least. We got to Antarctica. We they set out the course. We, we ran our marathon. We got back and we had our post-race celebration on the boat and toured Antarctica for the better part of a week and then came back. Okay, folks here in Antarctica, they're thinking, how in the heck did he run in that sub-freezing tundra and that terrible, but it wasn't the case. We're talking Southern Hemisphere. While we're freezing up here, uh, it was actually colder in this latitude than what it was down here. I, I heard you say that earlier. Yeah, so I, I that, mentioned earlier that yeah. um, the races usually run the end of February, first part of March, and the day that we left Columbus, it was, I think, 28 or 29 degrees. The day that we ran the marathon in Antarctica, it was 33 there you go. So it was amazing. <laughs> we <laughs> and, loved it. <laughs> and let people know, this is great running weather. Anybody's got to understand this, but runners love this. I'll take cold weather over any hot days Absolutely. to run. Absolutely. Absolutely. The body can always heat up, but when it's too hot, it's the body's always heating up. <laughs> mm-hmm. So you're always heating up. So take the cold. We'll always take the cold to run. So that's, that is fascinating. So you, you did that. You challenged yourself. So you did all seven continents. Yes. Okay. Yep. What was your most favorite continent that you, you, you ran in? I get asked that all the time, and I don't have a favorite. Interesting. And that's the problem. They're now, all This is what makes running fun. They're all different yes. in their own ways. And, you know, when, you, when I look at them, and I won't go through them in order in, in the United States. I won't count that one. Yeah. But the one that we ran in Asia ran about five or six miles of it on the Great Wall. We oh, ran in China. come on. That's great. Um, it, oh, it was that's neat. Great. And oh, <laughs> you can't even think, I can't even comprehend. I didn't even think that would be allowed. I didn't like. Well, a lot, a lot of sections, the a lot of sections, they do have people who can walk on it and run on it. I didn't know that. And Jared did this. Well, he, obviously, yeah. he did all seven with me. Yes. And that's really one of the highlights of my running career that sure. the two of us could do all of this. And he described running on the Great Wall as being his triathlon. It turned out to be a pretty warm day. Mm-hmm. And coming near the end, he said, Dad, I can't run anymore. So he looks at it. His triathlon was running, walking, and crawling. It that's was that that's, hard. That's it was incredible. tough. Wow. So he, wow. that was our, our Asian marathon in Africa. We ran on a game preserve in Kenya. And they had rangers out before the race. Make sure the animals they, are cleared, right? Yeah. They killed a couple of zebras and took them off so the, pride, the lion prides would leave the course alone, but they had armed rangers on the course, and they had a helicopter going over us, keeping an eye out, making sure that we That's, would be safe. You don't think about that. You no, don't think you about don't. that. Isn't that crazy? No. Now, I know those people that get upset, and they know, they go, why are they shooting the zebras? I mean, they're pop- it's, it's, like, it's like deer, like here. You know, they got a lot well, of they, them. Yeah, the uh, they, they, the population of them, but they can they can, but you wouldn't think easy of meal, yeah, Just easy meal, e- an easy meal for, the, for the lions, right? So. Exactly. So why would you? But, uh, you don't want a lion in California, uh, and I can tell you, I was out west in the United States. We had a lot of runners attacked by mountain lions mm-hmm. in California. So and that does happen, folks. It does happen. So when you run or wherever you go in these different places, it's good to have sanctioned runs, perhaps, or places that are you know, governed that way. I mean, you do experience that. So after Kenya and mm-hmm. you you did Asia. Uh, we did Antarctica. Where where else did you go? What was your, give me another the, one. The European one that we did was in Normandy. Um, okay. It turns out that it's over the weekend of June 6th, which, of course, is D-Day. D-Day. Yep. And they have a huge celebration there. And so we went, and number one, so it actually went, and um, Michael went, and he ran a half marathon there and joined us. But we made that a sightseeing tour of Normandy. We to all the historical sites. It was just <laughs> yeah. great. Yeah. So we ran that, and we actually... You know, we did it. Obviously, you see all the sites on foot. There's nothing quite like that one either. Wow, that's got to um, be neat. And they said, neat. in en français, they said, très bien. Très bien. <laughs> I'm trying to think what. Oh, and the last one, because I think I've covered most of them now, South America was our last one. And we, okay. ran, we ran in Rio. Oh, wow. Uh, which was great. Neat. And then, yes. uh, then and I took a week and we went up the Amazon. Oh, so gosh. We, we made vacations out of all of these, had a lot of fun, and it's all centered around the running. It's very special. There's a lot you so. can do. Now, a lot of times folks say, well, my husband's not going to do it, my wife's not going to do it. But it's interesting with you and Linda. Linda's there for, like, this moral support. She's always there. So she does. She, what is, what's her, and I never asked her this, does she have that exercise outlet, or is Linda <laughs> just kind of like, you know what, you do it, it's fun. <clears throat> but she encourages you. And I would, anybody who's a couple out there, don't hold anybody back. 
And she doesn't hold you back. She worries about you because I've sensed that many times with her when I've been around you two. Um, but which is good. It's good because she she can't little checks and balances on you. But you, it seems like you're going to still do it anyway. <laughs> I'm, I'm going to do it anyway. Yeah. Her, her idea, her idea of exercise. She will tell you when you ask her is to yeah. have a cup of coffee, get in the car, and drive six point two miles. <laughs> but what she won't tell you though is that she actually has done some ten mm-hmm. Ks and done a few five Ks, and I guess I'm the bad guy for it. Yeah, okay, happens, right, right. What usually happens is that I decide that I want to go run something, uh-huh. and I'll sign her up. And she won't know about it until we go to pick up our running numbers. That's great. And I get all kinds of grief for it. But in the meantime, as part of that, she has run the 5K in Plains, and she placed in her age group. So she has a picture with Jimmy Carter giving her an award. She did a 5K on the Great Wall. See, that would never happen yeah. Had you not, think of these experiences if you wouldn't have taken that initiative. It takes two people in a relationship to do this. I didn't mean interruption. That's fine. And she will always talk about the the one 10K that we did, that she did in Pensacola. I was doing the marathon, she was doing the 10K. And she was absolutely dead last and so far back that they'd already picked up the markers Mm -hmm. for the course. And to this day, she will blame me for all the grief that that she got out of it. But one of my, our running friends who was down there for this thing recognized the fact that she hadn't come in yet. And the 10K was really basically over. Yeah. So Susan went out back on the course to try and find her. Well, I didn't go back out on the course. I was too busy having the cup of coffee I really wanted yeah. after a marathon. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> so, right. But uh, that I is, finally found her and brought her in. So, that is, so, so was, I could just picture that. She, I think she did a couple here, didn't she? Didn't, I've yeah, seen she's her. done a couple here, too. <clears throat> and I remember seeing her, so it was always delightful to see, see that. Yeah. But it's that remarkable, and I use your relationship as, because I know a lot of people that, well, my husband, he doesn't want to do it. We just sit here. We don't do anything. But get up and do it because you will somehow inspire the other person. Right. It, it just works. And whether it doesn't have to be running, we're saying here, something to get your body moving, get that blood flowing. It, it just it, it does your body wonders. You mentioned the fact that you didn't really have a favorite you know, continent. continent. Right. So in my mind, I totally get what you're saying. When you're a runner, there's something about where even in your own home city, anybody listening right now, whether you're California or Idaho, North Dakota, South Dakota, Louisiana, I don't care where you're at in New York, you find those special places. When you run on a trail, you go somewhere, it takes you somewhere else. It does. It takes you somewhere else. We have a, you know, and it's big in many cities where the rail systems, which I'm a big rail guy. I wish rail was still around more, but <clears throat> which there's more rail than there was, you know, 18 wheeler trucks on the roads and stuff. But, but, it's incredible that when you look at these rails to trails, and we have, you know, ours was the Norfolk Southern here. That was a big portion of that was ripped up and made a trail. So bike and running, whatever it may be, walking, people walking their dogs or just jogging or, you know, strollers, strong moms and dads pushing their children in them. It takes you in that place or that space or where maybe an engineer was at one time riding in that train. Like when you're, you're walking, you would never see it when you're on a highway parallel to this trail because there's trees that that buffer between you and the actual physical trail but when you're you're in that space running it it puts you there it puts you in a different place you don't see it any other way or you're taking that bridge that trestle that goes over the interstate and you're on that and so you know you can have these favorite places there's pine mountain there's trails now trail running is a big thing or hiking even hiking people like to hike these or do these hike and run 50 milers are called or 100 milers i mean it's incredible these these um you know these these uh, different type of you know activities that people are doing and engaging in it gives them something else to do to challenge themselves the triathlon your son which i thought is funny i mean here you're running and then walking and crawling you know i mean whatever it takes to get there you don't have to be and i always say this too you don't have to be like the best athlete in the world, but you did qualify for Boston. So you obviously had a good time. I assume. And plus you were able to get in. So that means, means a lot. And how old were you when you did that? Um, I've done it more than once. The last time that yeah. I did it, I was 70. Okay. That was okay. Yeah, was I remember, I think I remember, yeah, I remember that one. Cause I was, yeah, I was here. That was, when that was yeah. the most recent one. The first time I did ago. it, I was in my late forties. The first time. Okay. So time, same or, or different? No, uh, a little different. Okay. Well, it's yeah, one of the so. things that I mentioned before. We run a little bit slower as we grow older, so it's nice to get into a new age group. But well, when I see so, these age so. groups, these guys who are just in the next age group above me that, that are here local, okay. I can it's mention names, Dave Warren. You know, I was going to say Dave Williams oh, and Dave Steve Williams, Warren. Yeah. Those guys are monsters. Yeah, really good. Yeah, yeah. Williams and, that, and, and yeah. you and, 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 of course, uh, I was going to say um, um, 
gosh, how do you just forget? Uh, my gosh, she's going to you know, be so upset. You guys run all together, together. Um, retired uh, Navy, Naval. Uh, geez, how did I just forget his name? Yeah. Oh, yeah, yeah. I can't remember. Somebody, we'll see him out there, too. Steve Shirley. Oh, my gosh. Oh, Steve Bill, and Re- yeah. Bill. Bill no, Shirley. Yeah, Bill, Steve, Shirley. Bill, yeah, Bill Shirley. I'm thinking, Bill, 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 I'm so sorry. Yeah, he, yeah. And I'm 56. So said, yeah. there, no, could you give me a prescription for this? What, what's going on with me? Why am I forgetting this? Run more. Run more. That's good for the brain. Go. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be right back, folks, because I'm, I'm forgetting what I'm talking about. Dylan, our producer, he, you know, I was like, how did I forget his name? So, yeah, so Bill Shirley is, uh, he's yeah. another one that just, and we're about the same size. The three of us are mm-hmm. roughly about the same size. So size... Does it matter? I know. <laughs> Let me be careful how I say that. But does size matter when you do these activities? It really doesn't. And I think that's one right. of the things that's, that's so special about just getting out there and being active. If you go out and you watch some of the people who are running the 5Ks or who are doing the, the porch dog to big dog program yeah. now and in the past, some people are big and some people aren't so big. It really doesn't make any difference. What we find is that no matter what the size, you can go out and do something. And if you're doing it, it's for the good. Some people you know, might lose weight, some might not. Everybody gets toned up a little bit, but it really does help the heart. It helps the circulation in general. And I think it's pretty well shown now it also helps our brains as we age. So you can do it any size, any age. And I will come back to one last thing. You mentioned earlier yeah. before talking about kids. Yeah. Um, it's important that kids should be active. What we've learned is that children are normally active until about the age of eight. And after eight, it's all downhill. So if be- you think about it, that, well, it's been before then. Even before then, it's okay. Even, okay. even in my early days of doing pediatric cardiology. Okay. Really important from the age of eight to get the kids involved in something. And there were so many times that I saw kids who were overweight. They came from a bad family history. That it was a bad issue in general. And the parents had an idea that the kids needed to go out and be runners or swimmers or whatever it was. And what I told them, I, I would look at the child and say, well, you know, what do you like to do? And as soon as they told me what they liked to do, I could look at the folks and say, you know, as I mentioned earlier, do what they want to do because then they will do it. And it yeah. made a whole world of difference. But starting about the age of eight, kids need to be out there doing something. It might be soccer, it could be tennis, it could be almost anything. But as long as they're out there being active, hopefully it'll be something that, you know, stick with them for the rest of a long life. Could a heart, is it stronger for the heart later in life? I mean, if you exercise your heart young, is that going to help you when you're 82 years old? Or or let's say you do nothing, and then not that you did nothing at 42, but does it, I mean, your heart is a muscle. So if you train it, it's going to get good anyway. So let's get off the couch right now. If anyone's watching or listening, go see your doctor first. Because many people say, you know, all the folks that even walk around with us, I forgot the other gentleman's name. I'm, I'm really losing it today. He always walks, but he had like open heart surgery. Are you talking about Andy? Andy, yes, yeah. Andy. I mean, Andy's yeah. a great example. Yeah. I tell my mom, you, you, oh, I, you know, I, I can't, you know, I can't yeah. get my, let my doctor mm-hmm. says. What he doctor walks. tells her patient even post, unless there's something, what would it take that somebody couldn't if they had a physical problem? What would it really take that you would tell them, no, you cannot go exercise? I, I just, I don't buy into that. And, and is that fair to say? I mean, I mean, clearly, unless you can't do it. I mean, if you're, you know, but there's something you can, even if you're in a wheelchair, you can still work. I had a guy in here yeah. with cerebral palsy. He can, spastic cerebral palsy, and he's in a gym. I was told he'd have braces the rest of his life, and he's there. And I mean, but where, am I off base here? Because I, I always I think so. I, I think that you're right. And I think... It would really take a lot to, for somebody to say, don't do anything. Uh, an important part, for instance, of cardiac rehabilitation now is getting people out there and being active. And so they will have prescriptions for what you can do after you've had your open heart surgery, after you've had your heart attack, whatever. And trying to get folk out there and be active is for the good rather than the bad, providing it's done under supervision. And we all know that now. Yeah, that, this, is, this is great. I mean, just think of it this way, two surgeries. I remember when... Um, you know, I think even a woman, and I just know, so my mother, I remember when I was young, she had a hysterectomy. She was like laid up for weeks, 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 or a, a gallbladder being removed uh, due to acute reasons, maybe a stone thing. They had to be removed. They get cut. Now it's laparoscopic. Mm-hmm. I mean, it, we're in and out. We don't want to keep people down because you worry about pneumonia, you, you, you know, especially even with COVID, they, they want you to even kind of exercise your lungs and do things. It's like this idea when you're sick, you lay there. I think some people may be in that space psychologically and they need to be taken out of that is a doctor how do you get somebody out of that 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 place 
and you know you just can't get through. Because I, I fight that a lot. I see people, they make yeah. excuses after excuses. And I'm talking all age groups now. How do you get through that barrier? Or do, is it just, is there a way to trick somebody? Or, I mean, what do, you, what do you say to them? What do you say I, to them? I have no idea. Yeah. Uh, that's part of the reason I probably was a pediatric cardiologist, because I didn't have to deal with right. all these people who don't want to do what they don't want to do. <laughs> um, but I think it's all the, up to the individual, because if you have somebody who's of the mindset that they can't do anything to begin with because they've had their surgery or what have you, they're not going to do it. They have to be motivated for it. And it reminds me of two of my medical school classmates at a recent reunion. They both had some knee surgery. One of them had both knees done at the same time, Six weeks later, he was up walking around with two canes and was great. The other one had one knee, and he was still barely hobbling about, could hardly get going. And the one who had the two knees said, no, I was motivated. I wanted both of them done at the same time. My wife said, you can't have them both done unless you promise me you won't whine. And he said, okay, I won't there whine. There you go. And so then he went and did. And he was motivated. And yeah. I think it makes a world of difference, but there are people where nothing is ever going to motivate them to do something. And again, it was one of the nice things about dealing with the kids. The kids can hardly wait to get back to school, to get back to their activities, to do all of the things that they'd like to do. It's wonderful for them. And so they're not going to stay in bed. They're going to get out. They're going to do their thing. But for the adults, I have no idea what you could do to motivate somebody who's not motivated. Yeah, it's a very difficult process process to have to, to to be in and you you know you i i find it where even getting somebody to say you know and it is good you know when you can get somebody or be leading by example or doing something even by you out there i'm telling you because even you know you andy i mean you know bill even the why the wives too that are out there renata or whomever it may be of all ages that are older than you there's always somebody it seems like there's always somebody older than you but now you're 82. <laughs> Who's going to be older than you? I mean, I think you're going to be the ones. I think we're going to get into that 90 and over. Do you think that's is that something you, you aspire to or what? Well, of course. Yes. Yeah. My my goal is to be out there running, and the way that I'm going to go out when it finally comes, yeah. I'm going to be running on the street, and somebody's going to be driving the wrong way and hit me. Yeah. I mean, that's fine. God forbid. Whatever yeah. it is. It's, it's, so, <laughs> it's, it's but, not going to happen. We're just but, an example. But, yeah. I, I would yeah. like to be out there running really forever. And yeah. I look at people yeah. who are out there running a long time, and there actually is a runner in town who's older than I am. Okay. Uh, Fred Dyer. Oh, yeah, Fred. Fred is Jeez. older than I am. I, I don't um, even see Fred. How old? You don't mind me asking. Would he be okay with it? Or? I, I don't know. I'll say he's a little older than I am. Okay, okay, okay. Um, yeah. Then... I looked at the results from Peachtree this year, and there was a 96-year-old woman who finished. Wow. wow. Um, one of the things you talked before about the, um, the one run that I did in Africa, that was actually yeah. not a marathon, it was an ultra-marathon, and that's the one where Linda was so worried about me. And when I went back and I was looking at results and starters uh-huh. and so on, as best I could gather, I think that I was the oldest starter in that right. race. Unfortunately, I was not the oldest finisher. I dropped out at 47 miles. But... <laughs> It's amazing. It's amazing. I joke about it because it's the Comrades Marathon. And for the people who know ultra marathons and have heard about that, it's a huge ultra marathon. And it's point to point. It starts at one spot, usually either in the mountains or at the, at the ocean. And then next year, turns around, goes the other way. But it's 16,000 runners. Oh, my gosh. It's enormous. That's it's a crazy. major event. It is crazy. So I was, I was disappointed that I didn't finish. I was pleased that I got as far as I did. And, you know. You were close to history. finishing, though. You were so close. And, uh, if I wasn't going to come in in the required 12 hours, I wasn't going to get my medal, so there was no point in struggling. So that's what made six, you, this, you know, so that's what you said. So I, I, I see what you're saying. Yeah. So why, why crawl so, to the finish line? Right. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> Is it worth it? That way I don't get a it's medal. All for, it's all for the medal. Know, it's all for the medal. And, and people got to so, understand it with, with runners, our mentality. It's that T-shirt medal, but it's really the medal. It's just right. something that you, you want that when you come across the finish line, whether it's Soldier Marathon in the years that we had it, we had it for a decade here, and that has come to a conclusion. But there's another one coming, um, Run for the Heroes, I think it is, in Columbus, Georgia area, and, and they Fort Benning, and it's a, it's a on-post run, which is nice to run on a, on a military installation. It's all hill for 7.2 miles, roughly, and then you're off post, and you go through some incredible views, again, from Oxford Medals. It's just the most beautiful. It's breathtaking. What do we say to somebody out there at 70 years old or 60 or 70 that just needs to do something they realize they're, they're, in, some, they're in some trouble times? Could they, let, let, what would you advise, what would be a good thing? 
what do we have him do? Get off the couch. Go to your doctor. Go to your doctor. Okay, good. There, I know. Let's, let's start Go there. Go to your doctor. Start there. Yeah. If your doctor says yeah. that you can do something. Any, and again, we're, anything. Yeah. It really doesn't make any difference. You can be out there and you can start walking. Um, you can just plan on walking and nothing else over time. You could be swimming. There are people who get a lot of their exercise from doing aerobics, and they can be doing chair aerobics. Uh, a lot of what people can do will depend on their mobility, um, how well all of their joints work, whatever muscle strength they have still left. There are things that they can do that they should be doing uh, to keep them aging better, which would be trying to help them so that they can always get up and out of a chair because a lot of the elderly can't do that. Um, there are people, for instance, and you hear about this all the time, and that's why devices have been developed that allow folk to contact emergency people if they fall. Uh, mm -hmm. They can't get up off the floor. So getting out there and being active, working on your muscle strength uh, at any age is worthwhile, and keeping it up is important. I know that one of your uh, guests in the past talked a little bit about you know, people's genetics and longevity. Mm -hmm. Well, it turns out my genetics are really pretty good. Um, and I it's talk obvious, to yes, de definitely. I mean, you got this, it's incre you're I'll, just incredible. I'll come back to that one. Yeah, I know. <laughs> um, we're all, at the moment of birth, or actually before birth, we're all dealt a certain hand, whatever hand that is, whether it's going to be good genetics or bad genetics, we've got it. Mm -hmm. One of my friends in the past had really bad genetics, and the story was that no man in his family, in the entire history of the family, had ever lived past the age of 40. And so when he was 20, he didn't like that. So he learned how to cook. He started to exercise. No more exercise than he needed for cardiovascular fitness. And he never smoked. He did all the right things. And the last time I heard, he was somewhere around 70. So he, had, he, he, beat, he the beat the odds. This is good to hear. See, that's, I, yeah. I believe that. It's really important. Now, I have really good genetics. And my folks walked, and they walked. They were living in their last years in San Diego, and they walked in the hills of San Diego. Mm -hmm. And when it finally came time that they could no longer walk in the hills because one of the doctors told my mother she had too much muscle in her heart, then they walked in the parking lot of the condo where they lived, and they continued to walk. And they were walking, oh, golly, probably... And as a rough guess, probably until they were 100. Wow. Um, and wow. then they, they couldn't walk quite so much anymore, and so they were giving up on it, and it was a little bit difficult. But, so my, my genetics are really pretty good. I would say so. And it's great. And my attitude about it, you know, we've built that hand. We should play it the best we can possibly play it, get the most longevity we're going to get out of it. And there's no downside to that. And as long as the quality of life is good and exercise or activity improves that quality of life, we're good to go. You, you hit the nail on the head. I mean, we don't know how long we'll be here, whether it is that car while you're running hits you and you, you know, you're, you're destined, you're supposed to live to 100. But for that person who um, at least still becomes engaged in that, have a quality, good quality of life. And I think that is so key. Uh, my grandfather was um, proud to be Italian and Sicilian on my mom's side. 100% Italian wore the shirts and all that. I mean, found out my mom, we swabbed her and found out we had a lot of Baltic in us and, you know, um, you know, Macedonian and, and Greeks and Italian and Sicily, Sardinia and all these kind of different things as my interns leave and I always wave to him at this during the show. And what I find amazing is, is that he was the only one that was the healthiest because he never smoked. His brothers did. They died in their mid-60s. All have high triglycerides. My grandfather had high triglycerides the day he died at 93. Um he had a, a bile duct cancer, but it came really late. And when it came out, it was boom, boom. He was just he, right to the very end, just lived life to his fullest to his last couple months. And uh, his parents both passed away in their 50s, and right one, one right after the other. My, they didn't speak good English, I guess. My mom was telling me my grandfather had passed first. She was, she was so upset and up in arms. That's how she did it. She had a heart attack and died. And high blood pressure. Isn't that crazy? Mm -hmm. And my mom told me the story, and I hear from my whole family. I never got to meet them, obviously. But it's just interesting to see that. And he always said, get up every morning, and I do a little movement. He, mm -hmm. he would joke around. We'd laugh at that and say, God, he's, he's going to go to 100. But he way past everybody in his family. Mm -hmm. And he had high triglycerides, and he died. He had mm -hmm. terrible, um, so do I. 
But I always said that, like you said, I'm going to try everything I can. People laugh. I try to really watch my sugar intake because I know we have diabetes in the family. You know, you look at your history. So I guess what you're saying is to know your history Absolutely. And, and live the best quality of life through some kind of ambulating through exercise, whatever it may be, just to keep yourself moving. And I, I think that's that's a great great line Absolutely. to say that which i, I completely I, I mean i could see that i, I see exactly what you're saying because why you know why sit there and make excuses well my i just can't do it because my but you hear so much of that and you don't if you don't want to be in that mental place i'm telling you now and if you just want to be inspired a bit i always tell people if it's not running but if the reason why something. we're talking about running tennis yeah. something whatever it may be be a volunteer mm-hmm. for that event mm-hmm. watch it or be a spectator mm-hmm. of some sort you know being spectator is fun they hit a uh, you know, we have a triathlon. We have quite a mm-hmm. big triathlon community here in the Columbus, George area. And that triathlon community, we have an Olympic triathlon coming in with TriColumbusGA.com. You can always check it out. But it's it's really neat because they have we see the same thing. I have people that are in their 80s like you and to a 14-year-old kid doing this stuff. So it's real, folks, and you can do it. And there's, and there's no time. And it's not like these people are going out there to try to be, you know, the personal best that they ever seen. It's just finishing. It's completing it. Uh, psychologically, it makes you feel better. I think all those good things that come into play when you when you're doing that kind of that yeah. kind of stuff, though. But what I, what I still find fascinating with with you is that I, I've seen you in the cold months. You know, when you're all bundled up and, and really, mm. Dylan, you got to let here's Dylan here. You got a picture. Gordy's got this. He's got this knit hat on. He's got his. <laughs> you always have your gloves, but you know how to you know how to deal with the with the environment at the time. And um, and you have fun with it. And I'll see you always wave to you, slap your hand, I'm running yep. by, hey, there's Gordy, he's, he's out there. And that does inspire me. It inspires me to keep going because there's days I'm like, mm, and I'm thinking, no, heck no, no, I got to get up, you know, because I'm seeing you guys. And it's very easy to say, I'll put it off till tomorrow. Don't do that. That's, you know, and, and I, I always find that to be really important. But what, before I go to the two, tell everybody your stature because you, you keep saying you're a small guy. I'm a small guy too. I'm, I'm, I'm five. I like to say I'm 5'10". I joke around. <laughs> I'm 5'9". But I think I'm 5'9 and a half or something like that. But I'm, I'm about 170. Um, I used to weigh over 200 pounds, but I used to do a lot of a lot of heavy weights and all that good stuff. And it did nothing for my frame. In fact, my wife even reminded me, she goes, Bob, you're you're faster and better now than you were when I was in my 20s and 30s. It's hard. And I thought, I go, you know what? You're probably right. It was all about me getting big muscle and all this stuff. But I didn't have that cardio I have now. You... On the other hand, too, like size doesn't really matter, but it, you just keep keep doing something, weightlifting, strengthening. But but you are just to tell people, and I don't want to say it for you. I, you're what is your stature? What is your when, height, weight? When I stretch, I go all the way up to five, six and a half. Okay, there you go. And, I like those and, halves. I and, do the same thing. Yeah, I, somewhere usually a little under one forty for my weight. Okay. When I started to run, I was five, six and a half. Okay. But still, I weighed, I weighed up on one hundred and seventy. See what so, a difference. So you yeah. maintain. So you're down probably better than your high Much. school weight. Uh, I, I was a tiny person in high school. I was even smaller there. Really? No, well, I, okay. I'm at my college weight. Yeah, size, college yeah. weight. That's fantastic. I mean, it really is. Look, 82 years old, Dr. Gordy Borkat, marathon runner, half marathon. It's not his last marathon, even though that particular one says the last marathon, which, you know, that was the last one of the continents. So I would, was that safe to say or that? That one time where they just call it the last. No, they marathon. just call it the last marathon. It sounds like they right because it. yeah, it's not. There is no up or down on Earth. It's right. they, it may be some people say it's the bottom of the Earth. It's not. It could be the top if you're in Antarctica, right. wherever you are. But you are on top so, of your game. That's for sure. So the prescription. One last time, this prescription for this kind of life. What we're saying to get yourself positive, motivated, and physically fit. What would it be? Any age, any size. It's never too late to get started to do something. Just make sure that it's something you like. Because if you like it, you'll do it. If you don't like it, it ain't going to happen. That easy. Amen to that. Linda, thank you for letting him come here today. And, and I asked, I go, do you want Linda to come here today? <laughs> he says, Bob, really? He goes, I, I got to do this one. He goes, she'll make me nervous. She'll make me nervous. <laughs> More than I am. <laughs> you did great. You did fantastic. Outstanding. Everybody, I want to thank you uh, for coming here today. Thanks, you, you, were, you were outstanding. And uh, Dr. Borkett is someone that you really want to take a, a, a good lead from. And you can see what we're talking about. And I want to thank everybody at home for watching, listening to our show. Don't forget, you can always catch our full episodes on WRBL.com. It's so easy. Every Wednesday at 7 p.m. Eastern Standard Time, if you like it live, or just stay tuned for a big announcement. It's coming soon on where you can find and listen to the entire 
catalog of the Bob Jeswold Show and all WRBL podcasts. That easy. It'll be a simple search. I guarantee it. Also, feel free to connect with me on Twitter and Instagram at bjeswaldwrbl.com or WRBL. Facebook is Bob Jeswald WRBL. I have a community page. Uh, all these races we do, whatever it may be, that might inspire you a little bit. You'll see some cool stories. You'll see this, too. I'll also post this on social media with Dr. Gordy Borkat. But anyway, that does it all for us tonight. And remember, always take it off thyself. And one way to do that is to give back to community. But start with some sort of exercise so you can be the positive leader. Any age, doesn't matter. Any time of your life, that's the prescription of good health. Thank you, Dr. Gordy Borkat. Thanks. Pleasure, Bob. Thank that's you. That's good.